What if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. Welcome to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stal Pontikas. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm joined in studio by Michael Midget, the host and creator of HomeWise Radio. Michael, great to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm good, Stel. How are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. Well, Busy week for you, I bet. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's uh, been a daily thing. The uh, um, You know, in the past, I've talked about the whipsaw, the seesaw, the up and the down, the ebb and flow of the of markets in general. But especially the bond market. I mean, it's just been been like a minute to minute thing. I've never. It's the volatility has been off the charts. A couple of weeks ago, I posted a uh, I posted a graphic in the on the Facebook page about the volatility um, in one of the popular mortgage bonds uh, over the past year, and I had marked up a few areas on it that were recently uh, what would be considered wild or like massive volatility. Um, but there was a part of that chart in the very beginning, so it was about a year ago, that was just like, it looked like, uh, you know, the heart monitor when they're giving the guy the, you know, the electric shock, and it like, it jumps off the chart, and then it comes back down, and they work them. That's what, it, I mean, essentially, that's what the Fed's doing to the market when they were doing the QE and things like that, so going into it, we get those wild swings coming out of it. And in the aftermath of that, we get similar swings uh, from certain things that uh, <laughs> don't, don't go along with what the market wants to do. And so now, um, you know, recently, and actually this was going on uh, as we were doing the last show, but it was so new we, nobody really knew exactly what was going on, but we had a uh, well, we had one bank failure. Uh, we actually had two: uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Uh, they're not main bank. Like if you're you know just a St. Louis person and you don't get out much, you don't watch the business news, you would have never heard of either of those banks. They don't have branches around. They're not they're not national banks. They're sort of narrow and all that. But they are banks and they're large banks. Uh, and I forget Silicon Valley. I think was the 18th largest, 16th largest. I believe it was uh, 16th with 16th. 200 billion. Yeah, 16th largest in the country out of all the banks. Mm-hmm. And um, but more interesting is that it was the second, the second largest bank failure, second only to uh, Washington Mutual back in 2008. Mm. Okay, so, not Lehman Brothers, but Washington. Well, right, Washington Mutual wasn't actually a bank, so they had FDIC-insured deposits, whereas Lehman was an investment bank. Ah, uh, okay. And um, so it's a little bit of a misnomer uh, bank. You know, bank has become a term that's sort of like scotch tape. You know, it's the brand, and not that a bank is a brand, but a bank technically, by definition, is a certain type of financial institution that now people say, like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, Bank has become a verb, but it's also come to be, uh, come to uh, reference institutions that aren't technically a bank in the traditional in the traditional sense. But we're going to talk about some of that today because I've got a good, a really good topic, um, which is uh, something I refer to as the mortgage broker advantage. Okay, so periodically off and on you'll hear me reference especially when I talk about interest rates which we don't talk about a lot but given what's going on in the market and given the fact that um, that is the most inquired about googled about asked about topic when it comes to mortgages what's the rate what rate do you have what rates today rates going up rates going down what rate can I get what's the rate for this rate for I mean it's just everything it always revolves around rates. And it makes sense because that's all people know, okay? But, you know, we talk a lot about strategy, some trying to dislodge that natural inclination to just go straight to the rate, not to diminish rate, not to say that it's not important because it is, 
Um, and certainly not for a disingenuous reason like we're not competitive, okay, because we are, and we're going to demonstrate that today. In fact, that's the emphasis and the uh, inspiration for the entire show today is outlining that fact and, more importantly, I guess backing it up, okay, with proof beyond just like, well, here's my number and here's their number, and you can see which one's better, but there is a – there's actually a structural, by definition, reason why I'm able to consistently do that. And it has to do with being a mortgage broker, and it's what we call the mortgage broker advantage. Okay, so getting back to in the spirit of what is the most talked about, most asked question revolving around rates, how do you get the best rate on a mortgage? How do I use the mortgage broker advantage to get the best rate I can on a mortgage, okay? So we're going to dive into that. But before we do that, um, we need to understand a little bit of the background, the backdrop of the way the industry is set up. So we're going to kind of go back to the beginning. And as always, we start with a question, okay? So you want to play along with me still? I I certainly will. All right, okay. (laughs) Well, willingly or unwillingly, (laughs) I'm going to try to make you a participant. All right. Um. Let's see. The question is, where do you go to get a mortgage? Okay. So when I say, you know, hey, Stell, you know, um, where would you go get a mortgage? You need a mortgage or, you know, where would you go? What would be your first, your first stop? A lending institution. Probably a bank. Like, okay, a bank. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. But there's I mean, plenty of other options out there, but right. I, I bet most folks would initially which, look at a bank. Which one? Are, are you aware of any of them? As far as the other ones? Yeah, like other options. Like it would be Nationwide Mortgage or, you know, oh, okay. some of the others that are available or, okay. you know, so specific companies that are online. Specific companies. Yeah, as that. opposed okay. to walking into a local bank and okay. saying, hey, right. I, okay. I, I, I'm interested in yeah. such and such a loan. Or you have your uh, your uh, real estate person right. going in. Right. And that makes sense. And that's, honestly, that's where most of the... Um, most of the sourcing for mortgages on a, when you're buying a home uh, comes from the referral from the real estate agent. And so they, you know, they have their sources and they would probably answer this question a little bit differently. But if you just go stop somebody on the street or go to somebody, a friend or whatever, and say, Hey, you know, where would you go to get a mortgage? Uh, Usually the first thing that pops into people's mind is their bank, right? Cause it's what we think of. It's, we already bank somewhere. And we just associate that bank, you know, with our checking account or savings account uh, to where we have our money. It's also where we go to get money, right? So it's loans. So car loans, hey, let's go see what the bank, you know, what the bank has to say. Uh, We need a loan. Let's go to the bank, you know. So a home loan to buy a home, well, we'll go, you know, we'll go check out the bank. So a bank, you know, it could be a big bank like um, Bank of America, okay, (laughs) Not a great example, probably not a great place to go get a mortgage. And I only say that from experience in situations I've been involved in where I've come in behind them to clean up their mess. But my experience, it's not, it's not, the, best, it's not the best place to go. Uh, there are regional banks, um, so not big, like nationwide, thousands of branches, but regional, maybe Midwest, uh, West Coast, East Coast, things like that. PNC. Um, you know, PNC or would PNC be in the Bank of America category where probably they're, they're I mean, yeah. geared more toward yeah, businesses as yeah, opposed and, to home you know, mortgage? Yeah, there there is probably a a technical distinction between regional bank and national mm-hmm. national bank. Um, I'm not making that here. I'm just thinking in terms of you know when you when you when you you know when you drive down the street you you might pass a Bank of America branch. Okay, and so you know Bank of America, they're everywhere. Um, but then you also might pass a Royal Bank. Okay, so that's a kind of a hardcore foundational regional regional uh, bank that has just been around forever, you know, or my, my whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there happens to be one around the corner from my house, so I drive by it. So I, you know, so I think about that. Uh, I also drive by a PNC, a Bank of America. You know, there's like, seems like there's one on every corner now. We're actually starting to get chases in town now, mm. too, mm-hmm. uh, which we never had before. But Chase is another big one that I would throw into that 
same category with Bank of America, obviously. Yes. Mm. And I can also say the same thing about them. Um, it's not the best place to go. We're gonna and we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna back that up as to why, but that's just based on my my experiences. And then you have um, smaller local banks where a bank that might only be in St. Louis, like, um, and I I didn't research this, but I'm just thinking like like a Lee May Bank, you know, like I. And I apologize if you're Lee May Bank and you're a regional <laughs> bank. Um, I'm unaware of that. I'm sorry. But I'm just thinking of like, you know, the kind of bank when you walk in and in the building, the branch, like the bank president yeah. is there. In that branch, that building is where all the banking activities yeah. take place. Like it's where the where the uh, where the board of directors meets. Like it's it all happens like right there versus this large amorphous organization that is just has like tentacles everywhere and you don't really know where to go or what to do, you know, if you were to needed to get to somebody in charge. Or if you live in a small town, for instance, we're in a small town, Bank of Washington that's, yep, that's is where, I was going with that. where I presume most of the folks in that area probably go to along right. with Franklin County Bank yeah. and whatever other small banks are yeah. out there. And credit unions will generally fall in there, although there are some larger national credit unions. Generally, credit unions are small, uh, localized community-type organizations, okay? So the key thing there is that banks lend their own money. So it's usually on deposit. So when they make a loan, it's in their name, and it's them all the way through. So they originate, underwrite it, close it, fund it, collect payments. They perform all all those functions themselves, Okay. Um, now, something I want to I want to distinguish here um, is between um, owning a loan and owning the servicing of a loan. So, on the end of that list of uh, things that they perform, I had tacked on collect payments. Okay, so all lenders collect payments at first on a loan, whether it's the first payment, second payment, third payment or the first year's worth of payments or something. Um, it kind of depends on the institution. But they all start collecting the collecting the payments. The ownership of the loan and the right to collect payments are two separate things, okay? So the last thing that happens with that loan is it gets sold, okay? And just to keep it simple, we'll talk about a conventional loan. So uh, sold to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and just for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to say Fannie. All right, but no, Fannie could also mean Freddie or whatever. But it's being sold into a secondary market, a pool of other mortgages that are put together, bonds created out of it, and that's what gets traded on Wall Street. So when we talk about the market moving and the market being volatile and that, we're talking about the trading of those securities. Specifically, they're called mortgage-backed securities or MBS. Okay, and There's lots of different kinds of those, but just to keep it you know as simple as I can, that's that's the way that works. So um, most all institutions sell the loan into the fan, you know, into that Fannie Mae pool. Um, and if we're talking about the low rates, the kind you see advertised on TV or on the internet or whatever, um, they have to sell that loan to get in there because that's in that market. That's what sets sets that rate. Um, but that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not they're going to collect payments. Okay, because you can sell the loan but still retain the servicing rights to collect payments. Ownership of the loan has 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 moved on. And the reason they do that is to recoup their investment. Okay, so the bank, in this case, I've said they're lending their deposits. When they make that loan, there's an outflow of those deposits because they have to fund that loan, give money to somebody. Okay, in return for your promise to make those payments over time, they take that promise to make payments. They sell it because it has a value, that's the loan, okay, to get their money back so they can replenish what they put out to get the loan, and then they could either retain the servicing rights or they could sell those off too to make extra profit. Depending on how you're set up and how you're sourcing your loans and how efficient you are with your operations, you you may have to sell those. It might be part of your business plan, or your business plan might be to accumulate those and own those over time, because there is a fee that goes with owning that servicing right over time, which is why it's a separate asset and it has a value on day one. All right. So that's a bank. 
There's another category called mortgage banker. So you reference a company called Nationwide. I'm not familiar with them. Mm. Um, but there's literally thousands, tens of thousands of companies that all across the country that fall into this category. Um, just generally referred to as a mortgage lender. Okay. So the big dog in that in that hunt is rocket rocket loans, rocket mortgage, okay, old Quicken loans. Um, they're they're the largest retail lender out there, I believe. Last time I checked, they were. So everybody's heard that word. You've seen the commercials and the, the TV commercials, you know, on the Super Bowl and things like that. Kind of makes you wonder there. We're going to dig into that a little here, too. <laughs> um, but they, too, lend their own money, but they generally use a warehouse line, which means they're borrowing the money to make that, uh, to fund that loan, okay? Whereas the bank had the deposits on hand, uh, a mortgage banker who isn't a bank and doesn't take deposits in, but they're still called banker, all right? So that's where some of that confusion comes in that we were talking about earlier. Um, they fund it on a warehouse line. So they still originate, underwrite, close, fund, collect payments, just like the bank. They're performing all the functions themselves. When they go to sell the loan, they have to sell that loan, just like the bank is going to sell that loan to replenish their deposits, except the bank, the mortgage banker, is selling it to replenish his credit line that he borrowed on to fund the loan. And then the difference between that and, you know, what it costs them to create the loan and what they sell it for is their, is their profit. And so they are likely selling the servicing rights along with that loan, either immediately at the time they sell the loan uh, to whoever they sell the loan to. Um, although if they're selling direct to Fannie, um, the, Fannie doesn't service loans. They just... They just create the secondary market for the trading of those bonds. Um, the servicing rights would be could be acquired by another by another company, and there's a handful, you know, a dozen companies or so that eventually, if a loan gets old enough, all servicing lands in their hands eventually, because they're the ones that, you know, uh, service um, own those servicing rights over time. One of them's Chase, so. My last loan I had on my house, um, it started with a mortgage banker. They held it for a year, sold it off a year later to Chase, who held it for the last 14 years mm -hmm. that I had that loan. So um, those two fall into the same category because they are, um, they are lending their own money. But there's a third category. It might not be as familiar as the others, but that's mortgage broker, okay, like me. So you've heard me reference mortgage broker. I operate as a mortgage broker. It's a, it's a technically, it's a structure, a way to uh, structure a mortgage, I call it a mortgage company, okay? Um, but we don't lend our own money. Um, by definition, we're not a creditor, okay? So that's what it means to be a creditor, and that's a legal term. It has to do with the rules and regulations that we're governed by, um, we're not a creditor. We don't lend our own money. So um, all we do is originate a loan, all right? What that means is that we can't operate by ourselves. We need a partner lender to work with to originate that loan, in a sense, in tandem, okay? So that's where I will refer to what's called a wholesale lender, all right? Or wholesale meaning... Uh, that relationship is not at the point of sale. It is prior to that. We're finding the loan. We have the relationship with the borrower. We're getting the application signed. We're doing the paperwork and all that, all those origination front-end functions. Then the wholesale lender is coming in to perform the, the hardcore lending functions, okay? So they're going to pick it up at underwriting, close, fund the loan, and collect that payment sell that loan into the fanny pool, and then it's their servicing rights to, to keep or sell or do, do whatever, they, whatever they want to. And um, as the broker, the wholesale lender pays us our fee or compensation at the time the loan gets closed. It's incorporated into that rate fee pricing that is quoted up front and, and uh, works its way through the loan just like on every other uh, on every other source, okay? So one of the myths out there is that you're paying twice if you go through a mortgage broker. That's not true, okay? We're gonna, I'm going gonna, gonna to point that out, but um, 
I just say mortgage broker because familiarity, some people aren't familiar with them. Some don't realize the difference between mortgage and, you know, bank, mortgage banker, mortgage broker. Historically, we're kind of new. Um, there was a podcast I did with uh, Paul Cook about a month ago where he interviewed me on his show uh, before he went over to News Channel 5, um, where we talked about that history some. So you can dig in more on that and go dig that up. It's on the Facebook page linked up there. Um, but it's an isolation or a separation of the sales and marketing function, which is the origination of the loan, and then that front-end kind of low-end processing document collection and relationship with the borrower, and separating that from the core lending function, which is, that's a bigger deal, okay? So they're two, they can be separated, and they're, and they're, and they're two separate things. So we're going to dig in on that, but why don't we, uh, we'll go to break, and we'll pick up there when we come back. Yeah, we'll be right back. Take a quick break here. You're listening to HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. I'm Stal Ponticus, and we will return in a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stal Pontikas, and the host and creator of the show is right here with me in studio, Michael Midget. Michael, let's get back into it, my friend. Thanks, Stel. Um, so if you're just joining us, we were talking about the mortgage broker advantage, and we were breaking down the mortgage landscape, the difference between the places where you can go to get a loan today. So there's basically three choices. You can go to a bank or credit union. You can go to a mortgage banker. Or you can go to what I am, which is a mortgage broker, okay? And the key point to make is that doesn't matter where you go, it's the same loan or the same product, okay? So remember, a loan, it's an intangible. You can't hold it in your hand or touch it. It's just a, a loan is a promise to make future payments secured by a piece of real estate, those payments to be made over time, uh, a loan that promise is underwritten that you're actually intend to keep that promise able to keep that promise and if you don't keep that promise then the lender has a secondary uh, method to get that money back all of that put together is what makes the value for that promissory or, or a mortgage loan whether you go to a bank whether you go to a bank mortgage banker or whether you come to me you can get the same loan product Okay, so a 30-year fixed Fannie Mae loan, it's the same, right? There's th- there, is, there is no distinction, all right? Where the distinction comes in is, um, of course, there's the skill of the loan officer or the mortgage loan officer, me, and that's, we talk a lot about strategy, right? So that's what I equate to the skills. Remember, we talked about the club versus the swing last week? Yep, remember? yep. And, and it's your experience. Yeah. It's you know, 30 plus right, years. Right. It, right. It's all of those. Um, but it's also the rate and price that you pay. Mm-hmm. The rate and price you pay is more dictated by uh, the foundational structure of the way you are set up and the way you access that product in the market than any other than any other piece of this. And that's what we're going to talk about here. So, um Generally, people think like, well, the best place I could go to be uh, would be a bank, right? Because they're big and that just think like the bank and, you know, it's notoriously people think it's hard to get a loan at a bank. Turns out it kind of is harder to get a loan at a bank. They're pickier, okay, um, for the same loan, right? And, and that's okay. I mean, that's, every lender is different. And that is sort of at the core, the crux of the matter is that, Every lender is different. They have strengths and they have weaknesses. No one can be all things to all people and be strong in all things to all people. You kind of have to pick and choose. And if you've decided to be as strong across the board, that means that you're probably not going to be as strong in any one single area as a competitor that has chosen to be strong in that same area and has diverted other resources to being strong in that area, 
with the idea that we're going to knowingly be weaker in other areas. So we're going to give up business over here to be stronger and make sure that we can get business here because we want to be the low rate, good credit lender for people that, you know, loans above a certain size and for a certain type of house or whatever, you know, and it really, I mean, it seems, wow, that's pretty narrowed down. And some lenders are like that. And what happens is you get, see, because there's thousands of lenders. And just in the wholesale category that we were talking about, there's, there's thousands of them too, but there's actually a hundred that I track. Um, each one has, has their sweet spot or whatever of what they, what they want, what they're, what they're looking for. When they're clear on what they want, they're stronger in those areas than other, than other companies. So um, that is the crux of the mortgage broker advantage. So just real simply, the mortgage broker advantage is it's cheaper and more cost effective to use a mortgage broker than a mortgage bank or traditional bank or even a credit union. Mm. All right, that's mm -hmm. my assertion. All right, so now let's back that up. Mm -hmm. um, so first off, and it, you know, this is one of those things, you know, I talk about this a lot. We're on the radio. Uh, even if you're watching us on TV, we're still on the radio. <laughs> so I can't show you anything in it, you know, in a meaningful way. But when people come in and they quote, I quote, when I quote, I'm responsible, so I'm doing, I always quote something that I can do, something I can do live at that time. I also compare that to other sort of benchmarks or litmus tests that I, places I know I can go in the market to get, see what other companies are doing. Some companies publish their rates on their websites if you know where to go and where to look and how to decipher the, the fine print. You can you can see what other what other companies are offering. So I've I've identified the next lowest competitive place. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. it's, easier, it's Wells Fargo Bank. Mm -hmm. So if you can figure out how to go direct to them as a consumer living here in town, um, be my guest. If you want to wait 90 days to get your loan, be my guest. You know, but your realtor is going to go nuts. Um, he's going to try to steer you to their guy, which maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. I mean, I see it go both ways. Just kind of depends on the realtor that you get. Um, but so I, so I price compare against them. I always want to match or beat them. So that way it doesn't, I don't ever have stress about when I'm quoting a deal. I don't worry about rate and price and all that. I just have decided I'm going to be competitive. I'm going to set my company up this way. I'm going to be happy making this. And I know that if you want to shop, go shop. If you don't, rest assured, it's important to me that I get you the best thing that you can get. I'm comfortable with that. I treat you like I would a family member, like I would get treat myself, my mom, my dad, my sister. Everybody gets the same deal, remember, because that doesn't matter who you are or if you're well qualified or barely qualified or whatever, it's one it's it, it's one price, okay? Not one rate, but one price, meaning one add-on or whatever. We'll kind of talk about what that what that means here, but the way that we're so the question that's probably coming to mind is why, right? How are you able to do that? Why are you able to do that? I mean, a mortgage broke. I mean, you know, I've never ever heard of that. You know, you're just one guy in an office somewhere. How in the world can you compete with a Wells Fargo bank? Well, it's simple. It comes down to one word. It's choice. All right? So what does that mean? Because <laughs> that even begs the question. Um, competition. All right? Point number one, competition among wholesalers. All right? So remember, I said I track the pricing of 100 wholesalers across the country. Okay? How do I do that? Well, we have technology now. It's a software platform. They're all, everybody's plugged into one platform I can take a loan request, I can stick it in there, click one button, price everything down, rank them, and then I know the ones I have direct relationships with, and I also see the ones that I don't have direct relationships with. That's part of the way how I pick the ones I want to have direct relationships with. And it's not always just whoever's got the lowest price in that, because you have to weigh that against, can they get the deal done? 
right? And that's one of the myths or one of the complaints that you might have heard about mortgage brokers if you knew about us or me before uh, before this show is that mortgage broker, they don't have control. It's questionable whether or not they can get the do- get the deal done. Yeah, you can probably get it for cheaper, but that comes with a price. You know, you're going to wait and all that. It's not true, okay? Um, it's a myth. It might have used to be true 20 years ago, but today with technology, everything is online and it's digital, and it happens at the speed of light with the clicks of buttons, and uh, we're all set up and connected just like everybody else. In fact, I can often beat the speed of an in-house lender just because our tech is better. Our tech is built to link up and sync with the, the, uh, with the wholesale lenders certain ones, okay? So a click of a button, it can go straight from my system into their system, automatically underwritten, boom. I mean, it can happen within 24 hours. If I submit a loan today, this afternoon, and I can have an answer back tomorrow morning, um, not just an answer, but a set of conditions and everything like that. If we submitted all the conditions, it might be approval, you know? So, I mean, it just, it just, it just depends on that. But, um, Competition among wholesalers. So think about this, okay? Mortgage broker, I have relationships with a dozen different wholesale lenders. Does that list fluctuate, by the way? Every week, do you, when you do research and you're pulling up that list for someone who's interested in, in getting a loan, and all of a sudden Wells Fargo is, is third on the list instead of first, you're looking at it and thinking, okay, they might still work best for this client, but I also see that these other ones may may be an improvement over Wells Fargo or whoever. So as you're looking at that list, does it fluctuate every few weeks, or do you normally stay with the ones that are at the top of that list it and, can, and yeah, work with them? It can fluctuate on a daily basis, mm. and I'll, I'll explain to you why here in just a moment. Um, but it's not something where, you know, like, I'm not always just going to go to the top of the list mm-hmm. and take take the cheapest one, okay? Because oftentimes companies will artificially price themselves low to move to the top of that list because they know how we're looking for loans, how we're looking for lenders to fund loans. And some brokers do work like that, and it can be extremely problematic because if you're not if you don't have a relationship with a lender, you don't know how they work. Some of them can't get the deal done. Some mm-hmm. of them can't get the deal done on time. Some of them can't get the deal done because they don't actually stand behind what they said they would be able to do. So you have to know um, you have to know who you're dealing with. All right. So I have my own vetting process that I go through. So 31 years. I mean, I. That's where your experience I comes know, in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. And for I've been a broker for 31 years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's a skill to being a mortgage broker. It's more complicated than just being a loan officer for a company or a lender that is just their own thing, you know, like their own one single rate sheet, own one single set of guidelines. There's some cons with that, okay? And we're going to talk about those. But it is a, it's an easier life in some respects for the loan officer, okay? It's a tougher life to be a mortgage broker because we're managing multiple different things on, and some layers and levels that aren't normally there. But it's those extra layers and those extra management things that enable me to offer the better deal. And so I'm willing to do that if it helps me get deals, if it helps me get deals and do a better job for people who hire me or do business with me, they benefit, I benefit, everybody everybody benefits out of it, all right? So there is a method to, to this seeming madness. But, yeah, that list, that list will fluctuate. We don't always go right to the top. Mm-hmm. But what I'm looking at is, because I don't have a relationship with all 100, I only have a relationship with about 12, but there are 12 strategic ones. And you'll find that, yeah, they're ranked from top to bottom, but the difference between number one and number 20 might be, it's so minuscule. Like, it isn't even worth, it's like three decimal places deep on the pricing thing, right? So, it's going to be the same coupon, like the same interest rate. So, you know, if rates were six, 
Um, mm-hmm. Hypothetically, you could get 6% with all these lenders. It's just a matter of, you know, the like 6% and a tenth of a point. This one's eleventh and eleventh of a point. This one's uh, an eighth of a point. You know, I mean, it's just, it's little bitty tiny adjustments like that that aren't worth moving to an unknown for. So what I'm making sure is that in my stable of a dozen that I want to have the market covered. Okay, so I've got strength in, I've got the leaders in, the companies that favor in all the different categories that might come up, all right, and that they remain that they remain generally competitive overall, meaning in the market actively soliciting loans, which if they are, then they're going to be priced to get loans because that's the thing about brokers, all right? And it's a complaint of, among wholesalers. If you talk, get a room, wholesalers in, uh, in a room and ask them, like, problem with brokers, like, ah, they're fickle. They just go with the, you know, they're just like, oh, all they want to know is, like, price, price, price. It's a miserable existence in that sense to be a wholesale lender, which I get it, you know. Um, it's, we feel that sometimes from some, you know, from some consumers, but you chose to be in a business. You chose to be set up this way. Mm-hmm. I chose what I do. It's, 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 you know, it's what we deal with. So, um, you know, brokers are tough customers. We're tough clients. We demand that you are competitive. So if you're not competitive, you don't get the deal. It's that simple. And if for some reason none of my dozen are competitive and they're uncompetitive enough to where I feel like, you know, I don't, I, to be the best that I can be for my borrower, from my client, I feel like I need to go out and get a relationship. So that's when I hop on the phone and I start that vetting process like fast, (laughs) you know, fast. And you know, I have gotten to the point where I kind of know the five key questions to ask. I know the three key things to look at. Um, I have, I know how to research to tell. I mean, if a, it, if a company is bad, there's going to be evidence of it online in complaints in our chat rooms and things that loan officers get into where they, you know, they bag on lenders, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so somebody that's bad is, if they're bad enough to get enough people talking bad about them, you just steer clear, okay? There's, in fact, there's a company that I'm thinking of here, and, and they're not a bad company. They're just, and they're generally regarded as the price leader in the market for brokers. Um, they, and they're, and they're a good lender. They're good at what they do, but they're really picky as evidenced by why they're the, and, and how they're able to be the price leader. They don't want, I mean, they, their loan pro, po, uh, portfolios are clean as a whistle, right? So they have the guidelines on top of those guidelines. They have their own overlays, which scrunched it down even more. It's kind of like when I said earlier, like going to the bank, mm-hmm. you know? So like if you go to a Wells or a Bank of America or a Chase or whatever, you're likely to get put through a more stringent underwriting process because those banks have overlays on top of what Fannie and Freddie will buy, they voluntarily do that, right, to have a cleaner, better performing portfolio. If you have enough, if you see enough deals so you can be picky enough, you can do that. And if you're in that position, it financially favors you to do that. Well, this particular company has chosen to compete in that in that thing there. So um, if you have a credit score below 680, they just – that doesn't, we don't take that, okay? Now, Fannie and Freddie will buy down to 620, all right? But not not this company. It doesn't matter who they are. There's companies like this, and there's overlays all across the board on different things. It's how companies target and favor a, a particular thing. But it's, it's interesting because you'll sit there and you'll look at, and I know they're coming up the top every search. Every time I do anything that's in their wheelhouse, they're at the top, and they're at the top by a clear margin, but it's questionable or not. It you know it might only be a seventy five percent chance that they you know, like go get the loan through, which sounds like pretty good odds. But I mean, if you're going to have one out of four you think ought to go, but one out of four falls out, you're going to have a lot of unhappy realtor partners. You're going to have a lot of unhappy borrowers. And if you've promised them that rate and price and structure, and you have to go to the next best one, it's painful. Mm. <laughs> so, um, you know, never say never. We never not don't 
use them, but you have to selectively, that's where experience comes in. That's where knowing your borrower, knowing your lenders, knowing that all of that together so that you can do a good job of matching them up. That's, that's part of the key to that. Okay. So as I've alluded to, we'll shop alone across, uh, you know, a dozen or so wholesalers and, Depending on the day, those wholesalers will pick and choose how competitive they want to be. So this week, lender A might be real competitive. Lender B suffers because of that, because lender B didn't choose to be competitive. Well, why? Well, because his pipeline was full, but lender A had started to thin out some. So he got more competitive to draw in more loans. Well, those loans come from somewhere. And in my little example here, they would have come from lender B. Well, week number two, lender B is sitting there like, oh, we didn't originate what we thought we would originate last week. Meanwhile, lender A got fat. <laughs> okay. Um, so that so it switches. And that's what I call the ebb and the flow. All right. So you'll see an ebb and flow of how competitive a company will come in and out of the market like that on not always, usually it's not a daily basis, but it'll be like a weekly basis, a monthly basis, maybe a quarterly basis. You know, there's a push to really do a lot of loans this quarter to fulfill some promise or whatever that they that they have out there. Um, they do that, that's reflected in their pricing. So they lower their prices, they get more aggressive, they pay more for loans because there's an inverse relationship there. Um that will bring them more loans. So those mm. loans have to come from somewhere. They come at the expense of loans that would have gone to another lender. So now they're thin. And then that dance kind of musical chairs continues continues on. It just it takes years. I only know this because I look at this on a daily basis. I price loans on a daily basis. I know who they are. I know the people that own and run the companies from having been around for so long. Um, so I've, I've had them, it's not public knowledge, but I've had the conversations before where if you put two and two together, you can discern that that there's an element of that going on. It's not good or bad. It's just because it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, it actually helps because next week in the position that I'm in, since I can pick and choose where I go, because I'm not beholden to any one lender, I'm independent. I can pick and choose. Whereas if I worked for one company, if I worked for a lender like that bank or that mortgage banker that performs the whole function, and I'm a loan officer there, I only have one thing to work off of, one company, one, one like source, okay? But as a broker, I can spread out and look across many, many sources. And mm. so that benefit goes to doing that. I can pick and choose. So if lender A, they're a bit, you know, this week, it's lender B next week, even though they do exactly the same loans. And that's kind of part of the way that I pick who I do business with. I try to pick two or three in a particular category, knowing that there's this cycle that takes place. And so if it falls in a particular category like uh, big down payment, high credit score, mm -hmm. you know, that's generally a strong loan, can be good demand for that loan. But there's a couple lenders that give pricing incentives for those kinds of loans. Um, there's amongst those couple, right? So now the hundred got whittled down to two or three. You'll have a spread between those two or three um, based on who's hungry for the loan. And the week, this week it's one, this week it's two, next week it might be three. I mean, you know, it just kind of depends on, depends on who it is. Sure. But we have that flexibility. So that goes back to that choice that I was talking about. Okay. Just a good spot to take a break? It is a good spot to take a break. Uh, we'll come back and we will finish up the, the why. Okay. Good. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. That's Michael Midget, the uh, host and creator of the show. My name is Stel Pontikas, and we will take a quick break and join you again in just a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise Radio. I'm Stel Pontikas and joined in studio by the host and creator of HomeWise Radio, 
Michael Mitchett. Michael, let's get back into it, buddy, because uh, you're diving in deep Thanks, here, so. my friend. I know. I'm so far deep in the weeds on this one. I, my, my machete dulled. Uh, I, don't, I may not get out. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but, you know, this is an incredibly important topic. Um, if you weren't familiar with mortgage brokers before, if you didn't know why you would use one, um, pay attention, all right, because that is the crux of this um, you can get a loan at more than a bank, more than the mortgage lenders. And the reason people know about the mortgage lenders and see this was what, what happened to you when we first started talking was like, oh, I know of the bank and that's kind of what I think of. But I also know of all these other companies and you named a couple of the companies and they are mortgage lenders. Those are generally the ones that you see the ads for, okay? Um, they're the lenders. They control the whole function. I mean, just to be honest, um, Part of the reason why they are a higher price, higher cost, is because they're making more money on those loans when they sell them. Mm. Because mm -hmm. the rate and the, the price that's charged for the loan that goes to the borrower, the higher the rate is, the more valuable that loan is to Fannie, that Fannie bond pool. They get paid more for that. So part of the way they they drive that their own demand, like if they're consumer direct, like is you'll see advertising for them okay you don't see advertising like that very often for mortgage brokers <laughs> to be really honest and transparent with you there ain't enough money left over in the deal for us to be able to afford to buy super bowl commercials mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. i mean I, okay i mean that good or bad or whatever i don't know there just there just isn't we are limited by law and what we can charge okay there is a statutory limit and just to be honest with you, if you're going to be as competitive as I am, you're not going to be able to be near that statutory limit. So I've chosen to go even thinner on it. Super Bowl commercials aren't in my budget, right? Um, yeah, we're on the radio here. Um, you'll probably hear commercials for this show uh, for my company, Shelter Mortgage. Um, there's more convoluted way of way that way that gets done but it's on no order similar to um if you were to hear me 20 times a day across 20 different stations times tv stations times direct mail and all over facebook and all that i mean this is we have a much smaller much smaller footprint most of what we do comes from uh relationships with real estate agents um just my content creation and what I publish out into the market uh, times when I would get interviewed and thing, you know, and things like that. So most of what you see out there is unpaid. Most of it, not all of it. Um, but just, you won't see the advertising from mortgage brokers the same way that you see from mortgage lenders and even banks. Cause you'll see the advertisements for Wells Fargo and bank of America and whatever. And, um, Although generally they're not for mortgages specific, it's just the companies that hold because they do branding. But um, there just isn't enough money in it. So part of that reason is, you know, when we aren't making like we're statutory statutorily limited, but we restrict even further from that. That's when you get down into the category of being able to match and compete head to head, face to face, toes to toes, with a company like Wells Fargo. So. Um, that's, that's how that works. But so we talked about competition and that's really the key thing there. When you get these wholesalers, the only way they have to get loans, um, is by being competitive in front of mortgage brokers who choose in large part by price, not solely, but large part by price, they have to be competitive. And so that's the epitome of a competitive market and consumers benefit from that. Okay. Uh, the second one is efficiency, or what I'm going to call efficiency. It allows for focus, okay? That's important, focus, okay? Now, remember, in the structure of the way this is all laid out, um, when a borrower makes an application with a mortgage broker like me, that's one application, I can shop that loan to a dozen different lenders. I can get pricing on 100 different lenders that could potentially fund that loan. And if I needed to, I could go out and get a relationship if it really warranted it, like quickly, if I needed to. Um, but one application, many lenders, access to many lenders. 
if you you potentially could do the same thing if all those lenders had a consumer presence, meaning they took loans directly from consumers. Some some wholesalers have consumer direct divisions, some don't. The ones that do have consumer direct uh, operations may not have consumer direct operations in our state. Okay, Missouri's kind of one of those weird states we still require brick and mortar. So if you're going to be a mortgage lender, whether it's a mortgage lender, 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 like banker, lend your own money, or mortgage broker, work with a wholesale lender, they got to have brick and mortar. Got to have brick and mortar here. Okay, That keeps a lot of out-of-state companies out. Mm. But they're still able to have a wholesale presence here fed by mortgage brokers. All right? So you can get access to lenders that you wouldn't necessarily always have access to. So, right, I know you don't drive down the street and see 100 different options for that. There might only be a handful, a dozen signs. We could name the names, but it's not important who. It's just that those aren't, they're not brokers. They're, they're bankers, um, and they're not just local. They're regional, uh, maybe even nationwide. And so you get into, as those companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they have these distributed branch networks, um, not all states require brick and mortar, but generally if you're going to be a mortgage lender and have a physical presence in a state, you're going to have brick and mortar because those loan officers, they need some place to go to work, right? They got, I'm going to go work today. So they got to go to work. And that's, so that's, that's mm. just how these companies are set up. So that means they're carrying an office and they got a lease and then they got to have telephones in there and they got to have office furniture and they got to get the thing cleaned. And then they got to, you know, they got to staff it got to have admin. You got to have somebody sitting up at the door, you know, somebody to manage the loan officers because you can't just lead them run around and do whatever they want. You got to manage them, right? That's part of your quality control process. This is rules and regulations, remember, okay? So I'm my own company. I'm president. I've had big companies in the past. I've chosen not to have big companies now and in the future for a reason, right? Personal choice, nothing wrong with having a big company, but it's going to affect your ability to compete with a smaller, more nimble guy like me, all right? And that's that's okay. I mean, everybody has their strengths in in some in some some ways, right? Um, mine is if you're out in the middle of Kansas, you're probably gonna never heard of me, but doesn't matter because I don't I don't do business there. I generally only do business in St. Louis, although I can legally do business in the entire state of Missouri. But not everybody in the Missouri needs to know about me. Only the people that um, I'm going to be put in front of need to know know about me. And so most of that comes through real estate agents and um, other sourcing like that. Um, but the point is that I'm able to focus on the specific piece of the puzzle that I do, which is the sales and the marketing, handling that origination function. The wholesale lender can focus on their end of it. So they get really good at that. I get really good at mine. The wholesale lender doesn't have to incur the cost of doing what I do, so they can offer me a lower rate, hence a wholesale rate, what I'll call a wholesale rate, okay? It's lower than the rate you can get if you come to them off the street. So if if a lender had both a consumer and a wholesale presence and you go to the consumer, that's rate, you know, that might be, you know, 6% if rates were market, it says 6 uh, but in wholesale, they might offer four and a half. Mm-hmm. And that spread difference there, that point and a half on the interest rate, that difference in cost is the cost of having that retail presence out there. It's expensive. So there's a reason why companies choose to only be wholesale. All right. But me, when I go create my retail presence, well, guess what? Yeah, I got to have brick and mortar, but I don't need like their brick and mortar. I got my own version of it. It's not pretty. It's nice enough. If you want to pay for a nice office, it doesn't get you a better loan. Remember, everybody gets the same loan. Everybody, at the end of the day, if it's being sold to Fannie Mae, it's the same name loan. Okay? It, it works the same. The only thing that's going to change is what you're paying for it. Okay? So why pay for a fancy desk and a nice office and whatever? You don't even need to go to the office because we can do it all online or all over the phone or we can meet up, we can do it. I mean, it's going to be digital anyway. Even if you go into the office, you're still going to pull it up on your computer and click a button. 
because that's how it all gets tracked nowadays. So um, do it this way, go through a broker, you don't pay for all that, savings gets passed on to you, you're statutorily limited. And with me, I'm even more than statutorily limited. So um, you've got that specialization of process. You've also got specialization of product. Now, I had alluded to that earlier where companies choose to be competitive in certain places and not in other places. I know who's competitive where. So I take, take a loan in. I look at it. I match it up. I know, okay, lender A is the one, is, is the place for this. Lender A, lender H. Okay, let's go look at A and H. Oh, A's A's competitive today. I know them. I might place a quick phone call, just talk real quick, see kind of what's going on. Um, you know, just kind of see because the account execs know what their pricing looks like at a certain time and can can give heads up on things like that. Because oftentimes when we start looking at a deal, isn't the day we're going to lock it in? And see, none of this matters until it's going to be locked in anyway. And that's that's another thing you got. <laughs> Watch out for with who you're dealing with is that whoever you're working with up front is giving you an honest assessment of what's what you can get and what you're going on, even though you're not going to be committed to that at the time when you are essentially committing to them because that lock in is going to take place at some point after that, after that fact. Mm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you got to watch out for that. So it's key matching borrower to lender. That's experience. Um, and then there's also, we've kind of talked about this a little bit of economy of scale. It's wholesale lenders, and they're big. They're some of the biggest in the country. Uh, they dwarf most consumer direct lenders. Um, they, you know, some of them are even bigger than Wells. And Wells used to be, Wells and Chase were the biggest for a while. You know, Rocket is now the biggest consumer direct there's actually a wholesale lender that is bigger than all of them. And they only take loans from brokers. Mm. So um, these are big companies. They have economies of scale. They're specialized. They, they have the resources to create the technology and do all of those things. When I do business with them, that's part of what I'm vetting them for is how they do business, how they're set up. Am I going to be able to get a loan through there? I'm able to buy into and ride their coattails on that technology, that investment, so I don't have to make it. I have enough on my end to be able to link up with their system. So I'm totally automated. We're still totally automated when we go there. Everything gets done through them. Um, But that's in that relationship between me me and the wholesale lender. So if I know what I'm doing, if I'm doing it right, I'm being honest and straightforward and doing the best job that I can I'm taking into consideration who you are, placing you with the right lender. I'm managing that whole thing. So you'll know where you're going, but you don't deal directly with them. You're going to deal with me because I'm a thing. Think of like the ambassador or the concierge for that, for that whole process. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's generally how it works. And when you add all that up, you know, I know I haven't put a lot of numbers to it, but um, comparatively speaking, when I price loans against other options in the market, even the strong options, I'll be like a quarter percent better on the interest rate, not mm-hmm. just price, but interest rate, um, all the way up to routinely like a half a percent. And then in some cases, I it's even been like over over one percent. And that's just like a mountain of difference. I mean, it sure is. It's like a whole different loan. So um, that is. You know, the proof's in the pudding. When you go look, you get a quote, you see it's better. What I've given you today is the how and the why that's able to be better so that you can have more confidence that something like that can be real. So So as we wrap things up here today, and you've given a plethora of information, if folks want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to get in contact with you? As you know, you can always get us here at homewiseradio.com. and also go to my mortgage website, goshelter.com. So that's Shelter Mortgage, goshelter.com. Uh, you can reach me direct on the phone at 314-275-0314. You can call it, you can text it, um, all that. And all those numbers and email are on the websites also. Very good. Thank you so much for all the information. And uh, thank you for uh, giving us a walkthrough on all of this because it's all uh, uh, very pertinent to the financial end of folks trying to make 
the right move, and you're the guy that they need to get in touch with. Important that people know. That's right. So uh, thank you for listening to HomeWise Radio. That's Michael Midget. I'm Stel Pontikas, and we appreciate you joining us. And we will do it again next weekend at the same time. Until then, have a great week. See you then. Loans and loan information provided by Shelter Mortgage, Inc. Visit us at GoShelter.com and MLS number 192609. A Missouri residential mortgage licensee and equal housing lender. Call 888-497-2558 for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply.